Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, As usual, we have a great guest. We all ask ourselves, can life be trusted? Well, our guest today, Moni Dojeji and Alberta Ogresso, co-authored Walking for Peace. Sacred Walks brought these two pilgrims to each other and to their inner selves. Walking for Peace is the winner of a global e-book award and a finalist in the Indie Excellence Book Awards. The book chronicles the author's pilgrimages both as individuals and together with attention to both the externals, the countryside people they met along the way, the hospitality of total strangers, and as a subtitle says, their inner experience, the ways in which such walks touch and alter the pilgrims' very souls. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. While the pilgrimages may be extraordinary, Moni and Alberto were anything but. They were both accomplished and successful in their respective careers, but ultimately unfulfilled. Today we'll find out more about their inspirations of learning to trust life. And remember, this is also a one-part love story. Oh, yes. Uh, Moni and Alberto, you certainly have perked a different kind of touch for life, relaxing and mastering how to trust the universe and its next step and what it brings to you. We can hardly wait to hear about your journeys. How did this journey begin? I know that, um, Moni, you were uh, working for Microsoft and had a great career. Uh, What made you decide to leave your career and, and... walk for over a year for a peace walk? <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's a great question. And uh, I will begin by saying thank you to both of you for inviting us to your show. Uh, we feel very privileged to, to be with you and to share our story with you today. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, um, yeah, I had uh, I had a great career. I was working at, uh, at Microsoft. I had all the, um, I guess, all the trappings that a successful career would offer you. But I, I kind of fell into a bit of an existential crisis. I, I started to question, is this really all that there is to my life? Um, something surely must be, must be missing. And that also was impelled by uh, an unexpected uh, break in my relationship. I was married at the time, and uh, kind of my husband walked out at, uh, at unexpectedly out of the marriage, which also added to my sense of what is my life all about? And that was really the impulse to kind of get me to question. So, yes, you know, I went to psychologists, I went to therapists, and they all kind of fed my mind, if you will. They gave me logical explanations, but I really felt that something deeper was missing. And my search eventually brought me to into spiritual territory. I think that's just the natural evolution. And I found myself mostly 
spending my time in the New Age, spirituality, alternative section of the bookstore. And I started to read books that really started to open my mind to another way of existence and another way of thinking. Books like Conversations with God and Dan Millman's uh, The Salatine Prophecy and all those great books of the, you know, the early, the late, I guess, 1990s and early of the year 2000 that really got me thinking about a new way of being, that, you know, that I wasn't the victim of my life, but I was its creator, which was like a revelation to me. Um, the fact that I was a spiritual being having a physical experience, not the other way around, and, and really that I even had a spirit. So that was a big thing for me, that I was I had a spirit. That was a big thing for me. And I think probably what had the greatest impact on my life um, and what ultimately got me moving was the realization that and the, 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 the teaching that to change the world, you must begin by changing yourself. And that ultimately is what impelled me to eventually quit my job because I just could not reconcile this person that I was trying to be. And all these, all these great philosophies teach you a way of being, of being more receptive and more open, of being more in tune with life and being trusting. And that's all wonderful when you have nothing, no, nobody, like no bosses, nothing breathing down your neck or deadlines, no clients <laughs> yelling at you. And, um, and I really just felt that the person I was trying to become and that was emerging just really I just couldn't reconcile it with my work life anymore and so eventually I just quit I quit my job I threw on a backpack I started traveling I my my wanderings led me to the Camino that pilgrimage route in northern Spain and at the end of the Camino for one afternoon literally in, at a, in a town called Finisterre which means the end of the world I met Alberto I met Alberto Wow. And Alberto, and Alberto, how did you get to uh, start this journey? Because um, when I was reading the book, you had admitted to Moni that um, you were in the business world at one time. Yeah, and I was I was uh, working in, a, in an important insurance company in Spain for many years. Um, uh, at that time, I was uh, I was feeling unhappy because I was not doing what I wanted to do with my life. I re- I really didn't like my job, I didn't like the work that I was doing. Um, I I had a girlfriend of many years with me. We were thinking to marry. We had already buy a house. Um, I had responsibilities with my family too, with my mother and my father. My my and my with my family I needed to I was supporting them in in some way, economical way. And in some I I I was feeling trapped. Uh trapped in a life that I really didn't like. I I I love my family, I love my girlfriend at the time, I love the people, but I was feeling that I was not doing really what I wanted to, to do. And um, but I, I didn't see any exit uh, of that uh, of that trap. And I was seeing my future like uh, very great. And I, I, in some moment, I thought, I, I, I don't want to leave. If this is really what is going to be, always, I, I, I'm not sure if I want to live this kind of life. Then when I arrived to that point, I, I started to consider to leave behind everything, starting with my job. Um, and really, when I, I decided that, when I had that thought, was when I found, coincidentally, a book, uh, a book that was a self-help book, um, very known. It's uh, You Can Heal Your Life, of Louis Hay. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found a book that I never had read something like that, uh, because I was grown in a, in a Catholic environment, uh, in, a, in a country where you majority of people was Catholic or was not. So that was not <laughs> all the choices, you know. Then when I found a book that was really spiritual, that connected with the with the love that I I had been uh, or my family had been teaching me about that there is something greater than us that is love, but with a philosophy that was so open, so loving, so permissive, that that was not uh, uh, seen, that was not held, that yeah, this is love, and it started for love yourself. And when you love yourself, you can love everything else. 
And I, I, it's not only that I understand that concept at the moment, it's I could leave that concept. I, I, I felt immediately, in only a few days, that I was connected with this new philosophy. I, I changed. I passed from an unhappy man to a really happy man. Mm-hmm. So all my circle of friends or people noticed the, the change. And for, for the other part, I started to believe that I deserve to have dreams and I deserve to have a life with meaning. And I decided to follow my dreams and what I wanted to do, and that I could, I could do, if I really uh, had the, the great attitude for to do that. And then that was the beginning of my of my journey. I was 28 years old at that time. Uh, I'm talking about the 99. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And after that was when I, with this search, with this uh, walking, this new path that was behind um, in front of me, was when how I arrived to, to El Camino, to um, St. James Pass in the north of Spain. And that was another big step ahead in my in my walk, in my inner journey. And I come back one year later, and my second, my, the second time that I did this business was when, was when I, I met Moni. and her idea to, to do a, a walk yeah. for peace to Jerusalem. Yeah, because it was on, on the Camino as I was walking, and I was really asking myself, you know, asking not myself, I was asking the universe, I was asking the the angels, the heavens, what do I do with my life? I mean, what is what is my next step? And it was in this walking pilgrimage and in this day after day of just being with myself without the distractions, without anyone kind of uh, pulling me to, to any side, that I I began to get some clarity. I began to get a sense of what it is that at a soul level I felt I was yearning. And I think at that deepest level, the, the deepest yearning then was was for peace. And what what I received, especially on the Camino as I walked and as I faced my own demons, as I faced my fears, as I faced my own judgments in my own way, um, one afternoon, just uh, taking a break, uh, at the end of a day's walk, I overheard some pilgrims speaking in English, which back then, you know, 12 years ago, hearing English on the Camino wasn't as common as, as it is today. I just heard some pilgrims speaking, and they said that uh, this way that we're walking to St. James, this Camino, it's called the Way of the Sword. It's the place where you battle your fears, you battle your demons, and you find your strength. And I connected with that. I said, yeah, you know, it's true. I do feel like I'm, you know, like, like I'm, I'm battling what my fears are. And they also mentioned that there's another pilgrimage that goes to Rome, and that's called the way of love. And it is the way of love as you define it, and not simply just a romantic love between people, but love in the grander sense, in the universal sense of love. And then finally, there is a path that leads to Jerusalem, and that's called the way of the soul. And that was the path that called to me immediately. It, there wasn't even any thought behind it. I think you know, we all know that feeling of you hear something and you go, that's it, that's for me, that's what I have to do. There is a path that leads to Jerusalem, and it's called the way of the soul. And that was the path that I decided right there and then that I was going to walk, to get to know my own soul, to get closer to my own soul's calling, which I think, as I said, was, was really yearning for peace at that time. And because of my Lebanese roots, I'm, you know, I grew up uh, in a Lebanese household. My parents immigrated from Lebanon to Canada, and I was born here. Um, you know, this whole conflict was always near us. We still have family that live that live in Lebanon, and so the whole conflict was, was was near. And I was fascinated by it. And I grew up, you know, with all this hearing all the theories you can possibly imagine about whose fault it is and all the background. Um, and it was fascinating to me. And I grew up with hearing all the time, you know, no justice, no peace. That was very popular. And I believed that until I started to go through my own bit of an awakening. And then my question really was, I don't really know what peace means. And so as I was walking, um, I really started to question all of that. You know, what is justice? I don't know what it is. Where does it come from? Where does peace come from? How do you create it? And all those questions were kind of swirling around in my mind as I was walking. 
And when I heard, finally, that this way to Jerusalem, led, the way of the soul led to Jerusalem, that was, like, for me, the connection. Was like, that's what I have to do. I just have to walk to Jerusalem. And, uh, of course, when 9-11 hit, that was the final push, if you will, that got me going. Um, because I thought, you know what, I may not have all the answers for peace. <laughs> I could be very much not the model for peace. <laughs> but um, I do know that if I want to create peace in the world, I do have to begin by creating it within myself first. And so with that, I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to walk to Jerusalem. And on my way to Rome, to go there to begin my walk, I coincidentally ran into Alberto again. And this time... Um, the idea resonated with him, and uh, this time he uh, he decided that he felt that it was a calling for him as well to embark on the spiritual journey, and he joined me. Moni, now, were you many... by yourself? Moni, were you oh. by yourself initially on your walk to uh, Rome? I mean, were you walking by yourself, or did you meet up with other people? Or can you describe that a little? Sure. Um, when I started in Rome, I met Alberto, actually it was in Germany, that we connected again um, in the home of a common friend. Uh, he needed to close off whatever he needed to do with his life there. And so I made my way to Rome and I started walking alone. And so this was not organized, by the way. This wasn't an organized event. We didn't have any, like, rooms booked in advance. We didn't call anybody to let them know. We didn't have any, like, uh, any sponsors, concerts, like any religious, political, or any kind of social agendas. We were just two ordinary people who were trying to contribute something positive and to feel empowered, in a way, you know, after something as horrific as what happened in, in 9-11. And so the walking was literally, it was a backpack that I, my backpack weighed about, too much. It weighed 18 kilograms, no matter how. It was about 35 pounds. I couldn't find a way to lessen it because I was walking in the winter. And you need your winter clothing, your winter sleeping bag. Everything is heavier, you know. And so you carry your water, you carry a little bit of food. So I was carrying about 35 pounds on a frame. Like, I'm not very tall. I'm like five feet tall, and I weighed maybe 135 pounds. So it was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, I was walking on the side of the open road. There were no, like, beautifully marked trails like there are on the Camino to show you the way. I was on the open road just trying to walk about, like, I don't know, maybe 10 miles a day maximum in the beginning to get my body adjusted to the weight and trying not to get hit by cars because, you know, imagine seeing a woman with a backpack walking along the side of the road and what you do is you honk. And that's what I, the first, you know, 10 days walking alone until Alberto got there, just a lot of, you know, cars were driving very fast. There was no shoulder on the road to walk on. There was no sidewalk. And it was just very, very difficult walking. And, you know, nobody understood me. You know, I couldn't speak Italian. And, you know, I spoke English. I spoke some French. I had passable Arabic. But no one in Italy spoke anything but Italian. <laughs> so it was very frustrating getting myself understood and having people connect with what I was doing because I really couldn't explain it to anybody. And so I had a lot of doubts. In the beginning, I had a lot of doubts, and I really questioned, like, what in the world am I doing? Like, this, is, this is crazy. Was it a like, relief? Was it, a, it was a relief to finally meet up with Alberto then. You know, it was. It was It was a great relief to have company on the road. Um, but at the same time, those, those those days alone really served a great purpose because they gave me the confidence to know, you know what, if I had to walk to Jerusalem all by myself, I know I could do it. Yeah. I know I could do it. And so, but I was very happy to have a walking companion with me and to share to share the journey. There's no question. How many days were you by yourself like that? That's, you know what, that's tremendous. Talk about, you know, fear propping up and the whole thing. I mean, like you're by yourself totally. How many days were you on the road like that? It was only 10 days, only 10 days of walking alone, and that's it. But it was, it, it was plenty. And then, I don't want to give the book away, but then, you know, there comes, there comes a part in the story where Alberto and I separate. I'm not sure if you're there yet in the book. We separate because Alberto needs to follow his own omens. He needs to follow his own signs, and his signs are pulling him very strongly to continue ahead of me with the intention of saying, okay, I'm only going to be a few days ahead of you. We were in Croatia at that time. He was going to Bosnia. He said, 
you're only a few days behind me. And I couldn't walk that quickly because I was suffering with really terrible blisters and I needed to rest. And so I said, okay, well, you go ahead and I will meet you um, a couple of days later. No big deal. I can do that. Well, those couple of days behind became <laughs> a 40 days of separation. <laughs> and I was on my oh. own for 40 days. And so there was oh, a wow. second part where I was alone. Yep. But again, everything that you believe about the universe and about trust, all of that comes into play when you're doing something like this. Yeah. And I was I, meant by uh, angels. Angels. You were well, when you first started out when you first started out on your journey, you th- thought it would only be about six to nine months. And how many months did it end up being? Oh well, we thought it would be about six or nine months exactly, and it ended up being thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. Because you know, we did a calculation very easy. We thought, okay, that is 5,000 kilometers from from Rome to Jerusalem. Yeah, like 3,500 miles. Exactly. If we walk every day 25, 20, 25 kilometers, and when we are strong, we will be stronger with time. We will walk maybe 50 or even 40. Then we can do that. We did the math, the count, <laughs> and then we arrived to the conclusion that we will need only six months. But a journey like this, you cannot calculate in that way. You know, because we, very soon we understood that that the journey was for to lead the journey yeah. and to lead the experience and to learn from that experience. Then, yeah. in many occasions, we needed to to stay more that uh, more time that we that we wanted or yeah. that we felt. The encounters that we had with people were really amazing. Sometimes that we needed to have more than one day or two. After you 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 have you in some moments we we felt sick. No, we got sick a couple of times. Nothing, stomach, super stomach aches. Um, for like, the yeah. food and the water. And yeah. um, you know you you don't you don't you cannot uh, uh, yeah. imagine those things. Uh, yeah, you yeah. can't plan for those exactly. things. You can't plan for how your body's going to react after you know six months of walking, nine months of walking. Your body it takes its toll on your body, no matter how physically fit you are. The body is taking a beating, especially as you as you start to walk in heat. Heat is probably worse than than the cold. Actually, it is definitely worse yeah, than the cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because well, it, it just has a very different effect on your body. Wow. Well, at the beginning, at the beginning, oh, at the beginning, you didn't have a sign that said "Walking for Peace," but then um, after a while, you you made a sign that said "Walking for Peace." Did that make yes. a difference? How the people. Um, Responded yeah. you or how they, yeah. Yeah, because the, the people was very nice uh, at the beginning of the walk when we had not uh, signed. Uh, in the places that we that we sleep or the, uh, where we arrive and we ask for shelter, that is another thing that we need to explain. That yeah. we, we were asking always for shelter. We were, we were yeah, we'll, we'll explain that later. Explain. Yeah. Well, the people was very nice. But while we were walking in the in the roads. Nobody knew who we were. We were like two we are strange people walking walking in the road. (laughs) But in the moment that we put the sign uh, that we were walking for peace, because we did we decided to do that because we we thought, okay, that we want is to stretch this message of peace. We want to that people feel that desire, uh, that to do something good in their life and to follow their dreams. Whatever in this you yeah. know, then we need the people know what we are doing for the, for to can reach people. And then how we were walking in the road and thousands of cars we see us every day. <laughs> for, because we were walking from the side of the road, we thought, okay, if we put a sign in the backpack, then the people will see, we will understand. Yeah. And in the moment yeah. that we and we did that, that change everything. For yeah. sure. And you know, it's great to have Alberto because he's an artist. And he was able to, like, we would ask people in Italy, for example, how do you say we're walking to Jerusalem for peace? And so they translated it for us in Italian. Exactly. And we did that in the country, in every country that we walked through. Yeah, so that we could, so people could understand us in their language. And so Alberto, we had, yeah, a big sheet of paper, really bright yellow paper, with, like, a sticky back. So Alberto would just cut out the letters. We'd stick them on the rain covers that go over our backpacks. And we became these walking billboards, really. We were billboards for, for peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if people stopped us, that's when really we yeah. started to see the magic, the magic of the way. Yeah. You know? And we started to see how many people wanted the same that we wanted. Yeah. And how many people well, wanted peace and how many people uh, was inspired for what we, yeah. we were doing, you know. And uh-huh. that was, it was amazing for them, but especially it was amazing for us. Yeah. We were really tortured, yeah. 
And I think it made a huge difference that, you know, we didn't belong to any group. We didn't belong to any organization. We weren't pushing yeah. any kind of an agenda. We were just saying, listen, we're just like you. And, People you know, like you. Yeah. exactly. We are not, we're not saying do big things. You know, you want to, we think the most important step is to begin within. But we also believe that small acts of kindness have a huge impact. You know, if you don't know your neighbor who's of a different religion or of a different philosophy than you are, well, get to know them. See how you can build a bridge across this divide with your own neighbor. If you haven't made peace or with your son or if you haven't talked to your uncle or your father or whoever in, in years, well, begin with making peace with them. And then realize how difficult it is yeah. to create peace among nations. If you can't even take those steps to create it within your own small circle, within your own world, within your own life, then expecting that to happen on a larger scale is just even that much more difficult. And so I think just being ordinary people like them, we resonated. We resonated because, like I said, we weren't preaching. We weren't even suggesting we had all the answers. We are just saying we are walking like you are walking in your life, metaphorically, but we are physically walking, yeah. trying to also come to that place of peace ourselves. Yeah, yeah. the camaraderie was incredible. I mean, you look at... I mean, changing languages and the signs and everything, my goodness, that's so tremendous. What, you know, um, Moni, you said something about you met by, you were met by angels. Can you say a little something about that? You know, there are, there were so many um, examples along the way of people just showing up to help us when we needed it. Or even sometimes, you know, those angels took the form of animals, like a dog. And Alberto has a story, I'm sure, that he can tell about a dog, a dog showing yeah. up to show us the way, literally, when we were lost. Yeah, what, uh, what Moni is saying can have two meanings. One meaning about the good, very, very good people with very good hearts that helped us in the way yeah. that we found so many. But for another part, we felt that like something spiritual, something big was with us, guiding yeah. us in the in the journey. Then, that in for that two ways you can uh, literally uh, we we can speak to both of them actually yeah. <laughs> uh, but in a funny way I think they're also they're also related uh, yeah. because I you know yeah. I think we both believe that when you're following your dreams when you are living your passions and I think when you're working from the heart from love from love yeah. everything that you need conspires to help you you know Paulo Coelho Wendell and the alchemist said it very eloquently that, you know, when you are following your dream, the entire universe conspires to help you. And we live that. And we live that so so strongly. And and I think for me, if there was one story that um that I would I would uh, would share, it would be at the time when Alberto and I had separated. We had separated and he was walking ahead and I was only expecting to be a few days behind him. And then I became unexpectedly ill. Um in a way that I had never sensed before. I I had like huge protrusions, like golf balls under my armpits. <laughs> and I had no idea where they had come from. And I couldn't raise my arms. And I had fever and chills. And, and I went and saw a doctor. I found someone who spoke English who sent me to a doctor. And that was the first step. Somebody who spoke English in Croatia who sent me to a doctor who also spoke English in Croatia. <laughs> and they basically said to me that my lymph nodes were infected and that severely infected, and that if I didn't get them drained, that um, I would need to operate. Like, I would need to operate to get this fixed. Well, you, can, you can imagine how she was feeling. She was alone in a foreign country with a understand the language, and, yeah. and she was uh, ill. Yeah, like really bad. And maybe she needed surgery. Yeah. It was, was very hard for her at that moment. And I had no alerts because he didn't have a phone, and I had no way to reach him to let him know Um where I was or what was happening to me. And um, the doctor had prescribed antibiotics and said, take these, but I don't think they'll do anything for you because it's a severe infection. Um, I couldn't walk. And in, what, in my room that night, um, I received a phone call. And it was a phone call from, I had a phone, but I virtually didn't. Uh, a phone call from, he was a priest. He was a priest that we had met along the way, and he was just calling to check in on me. He spoke Italian. And so he, and my, our Italian by that time was pretty good. And so he, he called to, to, to check in on me. And I just started bawling into the phone and just saying, I'm really sick and, and I'm all alone and I don't know what to do. And, and he said to me, I'll take care of it. And the next thing I know, like within 10 minutes, I had another phone call from an English-speaking woman 
whose son was a doctor, also English-speaking. And she said to me, don't you worry, my son is expecting you. I hang up the phone, I get another phone call, and it's from another priest who lives nearby. So that one priest, I called another, he said, he always spoke Croatian, but I understood him <laughs> enough to say, he's coming to get me the next day, and he's going to take me to see the doctors. And that's how it was. He came the next day, he brought me to the doctors, he brought me, then brought me to a surgeon who looked at it, he goes, he goes, you know, keep taking the antibiotics, we won't operate until, until we have to, but, you know, let's just keep an eye on it. The priest invited me to his home. Yeah. I lived in his home for the two weeks I needed to recover. He brought me, he treated me like I was his own daughter. And the nuns. And the nuns who were there helping him brought me my meals and they reminded me to take my medicine. And, I, I was I, even to this day when I think about it, I still get very, very emotional because it really felt like they were my angels here on earth sent to help me. To yeah. help me yeah, no, that's, bringing, that's, that's bringing tears yeah. to my eyes just listening to yeah. the story. Me too. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's very humbling to receive what part so much love. The part of the story that um, I related to was when you first started out your journey, people would give you money or give you places to stay. And it was hard for you, Moni, to accept it. And Alberto was like your teacher, um, saying it was all right to accept from other people. Mm -hmm. So, um, So that was a big lesson for you there, wasn't it? You know, money was uh, was an interesting was an interesting teacher for me. Um, I am very fortunate to have, to have worked in an industry that gave that offered me a lot of uh, a lot of material material goods, you can call it that. But I was always very comfortable, more comfortable giving than receiving, and I never appreciated that, and I never really realized that until I started walking with Alberto, because my thinking was, well, I have enough money to stay in a hostel. Why do I need to receive money? Because it's as if I was somehow cheating or not being honest with people. And I convinced myself mentally that that's what it was, that it was because I, um, you know, it's, I don't need the money. And so, you know, it's, 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 I, don't, I don't need to receive it from them. You didn't need even to ask for help. I didn't need to ask for help. But what... Maybe you can explain that. Yeah, the, 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 greater, the greater lesson around money was that I just didn't know how to receive in any form because I always felt more comfortable in giving. And I think in giving, I felt that I didn't have to owe anybody anything, and somehow that made me more independent. That somehow made me feel more strong, not really appreciating or knowing that it is our interconnectedness and allowing others the gift of also giving and learning to receive graciously, which is truly where the the true gift is. I have seen the joy that lights up people's faces when they feel they're not just giving me money. Money is just a way that they are trying to support what we are doing. They just don't know how else to do it. Some people invited us to their home. Some people gave us, you know, uh, food. And others just said, I want to do something for you, but I don't know how. And, And my work was respecting and honoring that gift and receiving it and not having any judgments around it. And that was a very hard lesson, and I learned it thanks to Alberto because one of the first concessions I had to make with walking with Alberto was um, he didn't have enough money to stay in hostels all the way to Jerusalem. He had enough money for food, but he said there's no way that he can go all the way with the savings that he had. And so his idea was, um, let's go to all the spiritual centers, be they like monasteries or churches or Buddhist centers, whatever. Let's go to whatever spiritual centers we find along the way and ask them for shelter. We don't need food. We don't need money. We just need a roof over our head for the night. Because we have a sleeping box. Yep. And even we had a tent even in, a, a, in an emergency. In, in an emergency even, that we needed this roof for, for the call of the night. Yeah, and especially in the winter in Italy, um, the pegs would not have gone through the, the frost. The ground was frozen. Yeah. So even if we could we could camp, we couldn't get the pegs to go through the frozen ground. So there were nights that we needed we needed shelter, 
And so that was the, the hardest thing for me in the beginning, too, was Alberto would say, okay, well, let's just go knock on the door. We arrive into town. Whatever town we were in, we go ask for where the church was, and if it was a church, and we say, okay, where is the house of the priest? And now go up and knock on the door of the, the house and say, hi, you know, we're pilgrims walking for peace, and we are looking for shelter for one night. Can you please give it to us? And I think probably the most amazing part of the whole experience was that in most cases they said yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were a few rare exceptions where they said no. And then there was a lesson for, for me especially to be learned from those rejections. Um, but they said no. They said yes. And they would give us like if they had an empty, you know, an empty room somewhere. And, uh, like where they would give classes, like yeah. a church hall or whatever. They would, you know, give us the, the room. We would sleep on the floor. We'd sleep on the tables. Wherever we were given shelter. So sometimes it was the people in the street too. Yeah. Uh, they invited us to do it home when they saw us in the, in the road. Then it was, uh, but it was a very, at the, uh, at the beginning, we did that for necessity because I, I couldn't do it another way. But very soon we realized that that encounters that we have with the people that receive us were really uh, a source of inspiration. Um, because it's not only what they were giving to us, it's what we're giving each other, you know. And we were being receiving for people that believed in what we were doing. That was not the same like the sleeping hostels. That immediately we catched that. Yeah. And we saw these two have been, it's, it's not a coincidence that we are living this in this way. All this looked like it was planned or before. And because we thought that all was happening for a reason and that we were being guided in this journey. And all the things that are the beginning, they could look like problems. With time, we saw that all they had something to offer. Yeah. And we learned from that. Yeah. They were all teachers in disguise. Even the most difficult situations were really were teachers in, in disguise. And the work for each one of us was not to fall into judgment of what was happening and not to condemn what was happening, but to really open ourselves to say, okay, um, what is it within me that really needs to heal in this situation? And why am I acting, reacting so so strongly and, and so and negatively? And try, try to see the blessing that I was yes. in all circumstances. Yes. Yeah. And so each thing did have a gift. Um, and each of us, in their own way, had to do the work uh, to come to, to a place of peace with each of these little conflicts that were there within us. What's amazing is, Moni, that you um, learn from all of this. Some people would not learn, um, like somebody's judging you because of the way you look, because you're dirty. and you, um, yeah. yeah. But... Uh, throughout the book, you are talking to yourself and you're learning from each experience. So um, this is incredible. It's an incredible. No, it was not easy. It was not easy. Not easy. Some lessons were more difficult to learn than the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but now, Alberto. Yeah, please go ahead. Alberto, were you frightened when Moni didn't arrive when you thought she would arrive? When you were uh, I was worried. Yeah, I was worried. I was, but, you know, in some way, when we separated, too, it's a, one of the things that really moved me to, to, to decide to do it because I was really worried because what I am doing, I'm leaving her behind. You know, and it's difficult for us uh, together. It's going to be maybe more difficult even for her alone. But one of the things that moved to me to do it is I wanted to trust not only my journey, I wanted to trust in her own journey. I wanted to trust that if I feel that I am guided, I have angels with me, all angels, or whatever you want to call it, I have that wisdom with me. She has to, it, you know, and she can do in, in her own way. She can do well, too, and I needed to trust in that. And for another part, I needed to, to give me permission to walk my way in the way that I thought that was more more authentic to me. For you. For me. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and then when I saw in her... And when I was walking along, I was in some moment I feel worried or something. I, I always remind myself, no, she's not alone. I'm not alone, and she's not alone, and she's going to do well. What some kind of affirmation to that I for, to remember myself because I really believe it. You know, but sometimes we forget what we believe. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. So you allowed each other to have your own journey separately. Exactly. Yeah, because you know, ultimately, isn't that isn't that the the life journey of all of us, right? Is 
to walk, you're walking the same path, but you cannot be the same people. It's to share the road. You know, we're both sharing the road. We're each individuals. We each have our own way of seeing the world, but yet there are many places where we are able to come together. We, co- we, we combine very well. Um, and so we share this road and we continue to walk it together. But in the beginning, um, you know, I wanted him in a way, <laughs> it's almost embarrassing to, to, to admit this, but I wanted him to submit to my way <laughs> because I thought this is my walk, yeah, this is did. my idea. Yeah. And so, you know, you need to accommodate to how I want to do it. And so learning to walk with another person, metaphorically or physically, uh, required uh, a certain amount of flexibility and letting go, letting go of kind of my idea of how I thought this pilgrimage was going to be, my idea of the things that I wanted to say, and all of which really were nothing more than covers for fear. That's all. I wanted to control it so much because I was afraid of the consequences of letting it all go. And so there was there was a lot to be learned. There was a lot for me to be learned in this in that journey in that walk. So control is fear, actually. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> believe so. Yeah, we agree there. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it almost puts me speechless. Um, you know, walking each day with a trust for life that that it's you know a lesson in every step we do. It's pretty amazing. Do you think they'll make a, a, a Do you think they can make a movie out of your walk? I mean, I see a movie in this. <laughs> yeah, we can we can see it too because we love to dream about that. <laughs> if you know anybody, <laughs> we, we no. have written the you know, we have written the book. Um, and now that we have written the book and we know the story very well, it really, yeah, we think that could do, yeah. We think it could be a great movie. There are so many movies there that really, I don't think that, <laughs> that are so, you know, this could be too, I think. You know, our, our intention was in, you know, in sharing our story and, and in writing the book is um, we, the way that we live our lives now is we are in the place of contributing to the positive in the world. And, you know, it's easy to fall into watching the news and reading whatever and seeing only the negative that's happening in the world. But our experiences and our journeys have showed us there is so much positive in this world. There is such goodness in this world. There are so many people who who in their own ways are doing the things to construct peace in the world, to contribute love to the world. But each thinks that they're alone and each thinks that they have absolutely no power to change anything in the world. And and this is, I disagree with that because I really do believe that it all begins with the individual going out from within and creating on the outside. It is from enough individuals doing that that we weave this fabric that is called peace. And it's very difficult for individuals to believe that this is that this is the path. But this has been our this has been our experience. And so when we Work now when we our work is to contribute to the positive because we know that it exists. And so, rather than focusing on the negative and being in, uh, in you know, in anger or in resentment and and in judgment of the negative, is saying, okay, the negative is there. I see it, well, and I yeah. truly admire the people who can remain centered in who they are and work to create change within what they don't like. Because I have tried it and I have found it very difficult. And so for now, the work that we do is to focus on who is building the world that I want to see. I want to work with the builders. I want to focus on that. And part of we are contributing to that, to the building of that. And so our energies really more and more are focused less on fighting what we don't like and really focusing on working on building what we do want to see in the world. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you. So how many countries... How many countries did you actually walk through? Um, it ended up being 13, 13 different countries. Would you like me to, make, to name them for you? Sure. Well, we started in Italy. We started in Rome and went north. And so we went north to Italy Slovenia. To, and to Venice. And then we yeah. cut down the other side of the Adriatic into what was the former Yugoslavia. 
So that would be Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, into Serbia, Montenegro, and then from there we went into Albania, Macedonia, and then cut east through Greece, and then Turkey. We decided to walk the coastline of Turkey. It's a very big country, by the way. Yes. I'm going to appreciate how big that, that country is. Uh, bless you, Sam. And it was somewhere, yeah. And so uh, we walked through there. And then from Turkey, we headed into Syria, Lebanon. Israel was the, the Lebanese-Israeli border was the only border we could not physically cross on foot. We had to take a plane into Cyprus. Cyprus, we took a plane to Tel Aviv. We took a train to get to the northernmost point that we the could to the yeah. border. <laughs> And then we walk the rest of the way. So those are the 13 countries. Yeah. So in all these countries, you saw this common passion for peace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that we that we found too is that people try to do the best in, from where so from where they are, where they are exactly yeah. from what we, they know. And um, we found really that, and this was something that we believed at the beginning of the work, and was like all mantra, but really. After to walk the 15 countries and to meet so many people from different cultures and from different places, we really can say that people is good in their heart. They have good hearts. Yeah. The human, the human being is good for yeah. nature. You know, the happening is that many of us are afraid. Many of us we don't know and we are afraid and we do things that we don't really, really in the heart we want to do. But it's, yeah, ignorance. Ignorance and, and, ignorance uh, and, fear, and fear are the greatest drivers of, of action. And anger, yeah. you know, all is a thing that go beyond or behind. Right. Because, you know, you have to imagine, you know, we, so many people along the way, this is another curious thing, warned us about other people. Yeah. And so, you know, for example, and this especially happened in Albania. In Albania, which was, you know, a country that was still coming out of a, a very brutal dictatorship, um, they kept saying to us, we need people who are amazing. And they said to us, but don't trust the Albanians. You don't can't trust the Albanian. Don't trust the police. But you're Albanian, and, uh, and you're fine. You're going to I'm fine, but nobody else is. <laughs> 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 Which is hilarious. And, and in some moment, we saw that all they were good people that didn't trust anything. anybody. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, all the, and we walked through countries where they, they, we were warned, you know, your physical safety. You know, you're walking through some countries that are recovering from war. And you know you have to be careful, and you can't trust the police, and you can't talk to anybody, and and they put fear into us. You know they 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 put a lot of fear into us. And part of our journey was to say, I'm that is their experience, that is their fear, that doesn't necessarily have to be mine. And it was very difficult to do because consistently, um, the biggest fear that people put into us was about Albania, and specifically because. From Italy all the way there, uh, they said, you know, it's coming out of really bad dictatorship. Uh, they will rob you blind. They, as soon as they see somebody on the side of the road that looks like they have any kind of need, uh, they will just stop you, take what you have, and leave you by the side of the road. The police are even worse. Don't talk to the police. Don't go to the police for help. And so it's like, by the time I got to Albania, I was in nervous track. I don't know. I don't know what... As hard as you believe, as much as you believe, and as hard as you try to hold on yeah. to, no, 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 my experiences so far have because, told me something else, fear creeps in. Yeah, because what's funny is that because all we have, because we have experienced this experience before, people uh, are led, uh, are led yeah. to, to the roads in, in Italy. We can't afford to be alone in the roads in Italy. Yeah. Uh, there are roads there. Yeah, and, and after to well, in Croatia, in every place they yeah. alert us about the next country. You know, we, we found that like a common thing. But we, when we arrived to Albania, we, we saw that n- nothing had happened until then. So it's all the, all the, the warnings of the people. The warnings, yeah. The warnings of the people that were not really true because even nothing, nothing happened, happened no. you know. But still, yes. still in Albania, again, we fought or you fought. It was especially me. That yeah. was like my yeah. personal my personal testing ground. That was really the lowest point for me and the, the toughest point for me, um, emotionally, spiritually, really happened in in Albania because I had to confront fears that weren't even mine. <laughs> I had to face other people's fears that they had put into my my mind, and the work was to clean all that and really uh, try to be in that same open place that we were walking with, that we were walking with open hearts and really 
looking for the goodness in people, looking for that, believing that this is the world in which we live. And that was tested. That was severely tested for me in Albania. And, and I can't say I passed with flying colors, but I definitely learned a lot. <laughs> from that I haven't. Did anything, did anything happen to you in that country? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened to us. Well, you know, there was some, you know, you see things that you're not accustomed to see. Maybe we saw children that are not shoes. Yes. Yes. were very bad. Yes. Sometimes you see, some, you see somebody that maybe look at you with a weird face. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, I don't look back. And I continue. <laughs> you know, that's the, and never, never. We have never, anything. ever. Well, you have something that happened in, in Croatia. One thing. It was but one was, thing. was not really something heavy. Yeah. And yeah, it was. I was alone in a field, and uh, oh, taking a rest. I was in Croatia. That was in Croatia. Yeah, I was alone taking a rest, and um, and I, a, a man came and came just uh, walking, wandering into the field, and he just simply tried to grab me. He tried to grab uh, parts of my body, basically, and I freaked out. And in my Croatian, which I had actually gotten a few words pretty pretty good, I told him that I was a pilgrim walking for peace, and he just immediately backed off. And I'm sure my angels were around me at that time. I'm glad I have no doubt. Uh, but I just ran out of that field. I ran out of that field when I got back to the main road. But that would be the only the only instance where I felt like physically anything anybody tried to do anything to me. And in fact, it's funny because in Albania, where they kept warning us about the police, we were stopped by the police one day on the road. And I was, you know, I could feel my heart beating so loudly <laughs> when they stopped us. Then he stopped and he asked for our passport, he asked for our visas, all that good stuff. And then he said to us, I'm only stopping you to warn you to be careful of other Albanians. <laughs> he goes, just be careful on the road, you know, don't trust anybody. And we're going to call the other yeah, police officers to make sure that they keep an eye on you and that they don't bother you. <laughs> wow. Moni, I have two questions for you. I have two questions. One is... How long has it been since this walk, has, this journey has stopped? And the second is, how have you had any communications, letters, etc., from people that you met on your journey uh, to this very day? Do you have? Did you keep connections with anyone? Um, the first question was, um, how long? How long? How long was the walk? No, no sorry. Since we, we finished the walk. We started in November, November of 2001, and we finished in December of 2002. So it was in 2002 that we finished the walk. And since then, yes, we have kept in contact with a few of the very, uh, a few key people for us. Um, you know, that, that nice priest who took me into his home um, and uh, nursed me back to health when I was sick. I'm still in touch with him by Facebook. He now has Facebook, which makes it great to be in touch with him. So I use Google Translator to translate into Croatian, and so we communicate, you know, in that way. Um, a couple, of, one person actually in Italy, he came to visit us when we were in Canada. He came to visit us once, and we keep kept in touch yeah. with him. And there are a few people that, yeah, um, I would say that we have. In Croatia, in oh, it's the name of the city. Okay, yeah. the people that work with us, you know, that was a group that worked with us? Yeah, that was in Croatia as well, and they sent us letters for a while, um, sent pictures from a group in Croatia, very nice ladies that walked with us for a little while. Dubrovnik. Um, Dubrovnik, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, there are some people that we kept in touch with. Yeah. When, when we arrived to Jerusalem, we sent 250 letters? Yeah, 250 letters, because we had... Yeah, they had asked us when we arrived to let them know that we had arrived. Oh. And so we took a picture of us with the dome. You know how there's the emblematic, the Dome of the Rock? Um, and yep. so there's a picture of us with the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem in the background. And we made that into a postcard and sent it to over 250 people yep. Yep. Well, who, yep. had, who had taken us in, who had helped us in some way, who had been a part of our journey. And this was just our way of saying thank you. We had we made it thanks to them. Yeah. Were you sad when um, the journey was over? Was I glad when the journey was over? Yes. <laughs> no. Were you sad? No. Sad. Sad. Oh, sad. Well, you know that there is always the wonder if uh, you know because you have been doing the same for 15 months, um, and you think that at the end of the journey you are going to arrive so wise that you know everything, and now you know 
what is going to be your, the next stage in your life. Um, that was the, the kind of when we arrived at what we are going to do now. <laughs> yeah, we don't go to work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> now what? Now what? <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny what Alberto said is so it's so true. And uh, I there was I had expected to have more clarity when I arrived in Jerusalem, like the direction I was looking for, and it didn't quite appear in the way that I had expected. So we have we have so many answers. Do yeah. you? So many things more than at the beginning of the work, but without these answers, we have so many more questions. Yeah, the more questions you have. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it is beautiful universe work that way. That's right. <laughs> it's amazing. We never stop, you know. Yeah. So you flew you flew back to Canada from Jerusalem. Uh, from Jerusalem, we flew back to Spain first. I stopped off to meet his family because they'd never met me. And, of course, by then, during the walk, our relationship had changed. Yeah, that time we were... Uh, yeah, we had become one. a... Yeah. yeah, because we were working for oh, six, months. six months, five months. We were only friends. Friends, well, we, yeah. We didn't know each other. Really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody really believed that we were just two companions. And, really, there was nothing romantic between the two of us. Nothing was between us. We were, like, two, like, brother and sister, yeah. really, more than anything we, else. We were, like, partners in a mission, yeah. we feel that we were doing. And we didn't want relationships, say, right. because we know that relationships put you out of your, yep. of your of, plans or your, yep. your way. There are distractions from what you want yeah. to do. And so we were both fighting the, our relationship. And uh, it happened. It happened in Greece. It was spring, and... Uh, some things came out, and it it it, uh, it began our romantic relationship, which brings with it a whole host of other yeah. fears and problems as well. And emotional we, and, problems. Yeah. That really was the problems in your journey. Yeah. That was the emotions. Uh, emotions. And yeah. The fears and the doubts and the what I am doing. This is going to be to serve for anything. Or yeah. It, you know, uh, that was the real problems really. Any danger, physical danger, no, was yeah. was emotional. Yeah. Mm. Well, we want to let everybody know that about your book, so because it's, it's such a good book, I think everyone should read it. It's Walking for Peace and Inner yeah, Journey. An Inner Journey, exactly. And you have you have a website also. Yep, we have a website. It is walkingforpeace.com. They can you can also look for us on Facebook as well. We're there or on Twitter. Um, and our books are available through Amazon.com. Um, we we have no way of getting the books into the physical bookstores yet. We are working on it, but for now you can get it in digital format as an ebook or physical book through Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. All the major online retailers will have the book. Wow. Well, you've you were brave to share your experiences, and um, you're so truthful. You're so truthful with your experiences, so we thank you for that, for helping other people on their journey to peace. Well, this weekend, you know, this weekend, and we actually have, the moon has been full the last couple of days, as you guys have noticed, and and yes. um, and the the weekend, you know, the heart chakra of Mother Earth is just being energized really huge. And um you know we we uh, uh listening to you definitely uh, even makes our hearts grow larger. We thank you for all of the the um work that you did for us on that travel <laughs> because oh, it allows it allows people to uh to see a new way and and to maybe step past your fears and to you know, take some courage and go beyond what we think is really there. And um, we thank you for that walk. Uh, you were walking for us, too, whether you knew it or not. And um, so bless your journey the rest of the way. We just, and thank you for sharing it today with us. Thank you so much for your words. And thank you so much for the journey that you are walking to. Exactly. Because you are doing exactly the same. You, exactly. You are doing the same thing. Work. And we are, you are adding light. You are adding love into the universe. And that is the, great, the yeah. greatest service any of us and the greatest work any of us can ever do, which is to pour love into this beautiful universe in which we live. So we thank you. Thank you so well. much. Yeah. Well, we thank you for being with us. And just keep in touch, and we will have you on our show again because you, you are doing such marvelous work. 
Well, thank you. Oh, we would be happy and very yeah, honored, said, yeah. honored to be on your show again, both. Thank you both so much. Thank you. And this, uh, this, uh, bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. And their book, again, is Walking for Peace, an Inner Journey. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.